Hello and welcome. We are back, Tradie Business School, the podcast where we have some good fun having some real conversations. We do like to talk about what's going on in business have uh, and share some practical tips on how you can run your trades or contracting business uh, more profitably and more enjoyably. I am joined by the amazing Barry William Magladiti. Hello. Hey Miranda, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We've got a really interesting topic today. Uh, we were just talking about it before we uh, before we hit record. It's you know deal structure and leveraging unseen assets. So big name, and I know that this conversation came around because of a conversation you had with a client just recently, and we just very much wanted to share it with our wider audience, all of you wonderful listeners out there, wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing right now, we wanted to bring it to you because there were some pretty cool things that came out of it. Um, what's the background on this one, Barry? Yeah, it was actually interesting, Miranda. There's been, uh, we get questions all the time within uh trade business school community. And there's one question that's like, Barry, if you were to start again from scratch with $0, what would you do? What industries would you look at? And what would be your first steps? Mm. And it kind of ties into that to some degree. If you can, uh, if you can extract or understand from this, my thinking, right now, the beauty is, is that I do have eighteen plus years now experience of running my own companies. And so, if I was to have to start things from scratch, things would be a lot easier and a lot more leveraged than before because. There is this mentality when we start to run our business for the first time that we have to be the one that does everything. It's like, oh, we have no money, we have time, so we're going to wear all the hats and we're going to run a business. But this is the same mentality that keeps a lot of people stuck, running a very small, ineffective, and, and most often unprofitable business because they're not thinking big enough. They're not thinking how they can structure things or leverage things better. Now, Sean Beckwith, uh, one, of our, one of our clients, actually reached out to me the other day privately and said, hey... I've got this potential opportunity coming up where the only people in, as far as we know, the world that can do this patent repair in a period of time, what we can for insurance work. And one of the largest insurance com companies has reached out to us and wants us to teach his team how to do it. What do you suggest? Now, the first thing I suggest is no way in hell would you go and teach some, some other team your proprietary way of doing things without licensing it. But that's where the conversation got interesting in today's topic is he said, well, I've got these two parts of my business, this part where we created this intellectual property, this proprietary way of doing things, but there's the old part that we're doing that I think I just want to shut down. Now, my first question, Miranda, was, well, is it profitable? Now, Sean come back to me and said, well, yes, it's profitable. We've been doing it for a long time. We've got great, we've got great credibility and name, but I think there's more opportunity and bigger growth and I'm more passionate about kind of looking at pursuing more work down this new path. And I said, great, is there some employees that you want to incentivize or you want to create some growth opportunities for? Now, I see so many business owners that just shut down or kill aspects of their business because it gets too hard or because it's not profitable or because the next shiny thing comes up. And I also see a lot of employers that don't create opportunities for their staff to grow. Mm. Now, I can't remember who it was that said something like, I would rather train my staff and then leave than not train them and they stay. And I'm of the mentality that I would much rather see my staff leave to go and start their own businesses. And many of them I've partnered with that have left me starting their own businesses than have them, I guess, meander around in a job that's not really fulfilling and doesn't provide growth. Now, the opportunity that I gave to Sean is I said, what about if you had a conversation 
with one of your senior leaders and offered him to earn in equity on that part of the business. So cut the business down in half. The, this old way of doing things where there's good credibility it is, is currently profitable. There's a new way of things where your heart is most inspired and where you want, you see the most growth for you, but offer them to earn equity into becoming a major shareholder in the other part of that business. So for me, the, the kind of mix that works quite well is when someone else has 70% and I own 30%. 30% is enough that you can be involved and provide phenomenal value and then listen to you. You can earn great dividends on a regular basis, but it's not so much that energetically they rely on you to grow the business, right? It's 70%. They very much are in the driver's seat driving the thing forwards. I love that. It's it, and, and going back to what you were saying earlier, so many business owners would just close down or shut the door on the thing. It, it's almost like it has to be an either or rather yeah. than either and. Yeah. And if we just change that one word to and and explore that, what other opportunities could be there? Because it isn't always just about going, I have to, I want to do this new thing, I'm making decisions, I'm going to close the doors on all those other things. And the question that you started with is, and I've heard you ask this question and you know, over and over is, you know, is it profitable? Because why? Why would you immediately just shut the door on something that's profitable? Yeah. does not mean that it has to be the thing that you stay doing 100% of the time how can you explore that opportunity? And I love what you shared about that equity, equity share and Especially too, like this is where we've often suggested to our clients, it's like, oh, hey, like you're, let's just say you're a kitchen manufacturer and when you started, you did everything from like just installing a new bench top to a brand new kitchen. Now you've grown, you've got overheads and you're kind of niche is just doing brand new high-end kitchens, but you still get people contacting you to do refurbs, right? Mm -hmm. You could do them. And it's probably not the most profitable for the current company structure you've now built and set up. You could just give them to somebody else, which often a lot of traders are like, no, like, why would I give it to someone else? Why would I give that work to my competitor, right, is the way that they see it. Or you could structure something where you have a referral offering or even potential earning where you refer those clients to another business that specializes in refurbs. And every time you do, you earn equity in that company long term. So you become partners. And you end up having these subsidiary companies, one that focuses on high-end kitchen renovations from scratch and one that purely is geared up and focuses on refurbs. Now, that's, a, that's an example. Yeah. But in Sean's perspective here, it's like guys are motivated to earn more money. Guys are motivated to earn more freedom. And if he's going to create a successful business and his guys are seeing that, there's a, there's a good chance his guys are like, oh, I would like to be like him one day. So rather than wait for them to leave you and become your competitors, why not offer them up that opportunity? Yeah split the business in half here's where it is i would like to offer you 70 percent equity now you've got to buy it but i don't expect cash up front so here's how it's going to work and an earn is is simply creating a, a revenue figure in the future for, you know beyond what it is and basically every time they achieve kpis it unlocks a certain amount of equity until mm -hmm. they reach the capacity of whatever you're offering up and this is where my mind's thinking about if i was to start again miranda it's like i honestly believe that an ability that I have now that I never used to have, and I think all entrepreneurship develop is creating deals. Like how can you go and structure a deal that's a win for you, a win for them, and a win for everyone involved where it becomes a no-brainer, mm. right? I believe business in this day and age is far better in collaboration with someone than in competition with them. 
such a different, different energy around that, isn't it? And uh, yeah, that collaboration versus competition, it's not a them versus us, all of that kind of, you know, what goes on. And I do believe definitely that there, there are more opportunities that open up from thinking in that way. And, and this is where you were touching on earlier, the different types of deals, the cash versus strategic, isn't it? You know, we can do these cash deals or we can do a more strategic deal. Cash deals are like, for me, like I'll just share a little bit where I'm at. Like if I'm looking at someone's either coming to me wanting me to invest in their company or I'm looking for companies to invest with, I'm looking at, okay, do I need like a, a cash structure, meaning that I'm wanting to increase my cash flow because of whatever reason, my, my current entities are sucking up cash. So I'm wanting to do this, this partnership or this earning or this equity split because I'm wanting to generate more cash flow? Or is it more strategic? Now, we've done a lot of strategic ones with the game changes where it's like, oh, like our clients need sales, our clients need marketing, our clients need the hiring and virtual assistance. And I'll go and acquire parts of companies or create companies that can support our existing clients. So they have a network to support them in their growth. So equally too, if you're in a trades business, you might own a, a plumbing business, like a strategic buyer would be potentially electrical business. Because most new builds or renovations require both a plumber and electrician, for argument's sake. The first thing to understand is two types of deals. I'm going to do this for cash and cash flow, right? Meaning that I don't have any desire to trade that business or be in partnership with a business. I just want more cash flow and cash flow business. Or is it strategic, right? Is there some way that together, me having parts or them having parts of these two set of businesses make the whole stronger? And once you understand what you're requiring in that perspective, then it's looking at, I kind of look at three different structures, an earning, a baseline, or equity flip. And what we're speaking about here more so is an earning, right? Creating a figure in the future and saying, hey, if we help you get there, right, or if you help me get there, that will entitle you to earn in X amount of equity. So they're buying it with cash in the future, not cash out of the bank account in the current. We've covered a lot in about 10 minutes. That's, I think probably I can just imagine the listeners right now go, wow, that was, I'm going to have to put that on replay to listen to. There's so much value that you just shared. And I love that it came from asking questions in the community and reaching out. And and yes, Sean's one of our amazing clients. He's doing wonderful things. And it's asking those questions, stimulating those thoughts and just leveraging that power of, other people's ideas and community because we see it all of the time is that you know, clients or people will, um, business owners will will limit themselves in business because they do it alone. Yeah. They try and yeah. solve things and they, they use their current thinking, which isn't always, I'm not saying the current thinking is flawed, but it's mm-hmm. limited to just what their current thinking is and I will solve this myself without reaching out. So, wow, just in that one conversation you've had with Sean, I'm sure he's just blown open to a whole other realm of opportunity he can consider. Well, it's interesting you say that. I guess, you know, my invitation to, like, we've, I've been getting a lot of people reach out to me say, hey, like, we love your podcast, listen to it on repeat. I'm going to give you an invitation to reach out and book a call to speak to the team. Like if you're growing a trades business and it's not quite where you want it to be, you're wanting to increase your income, you're wanting to to make better decisions or build a better team, you know, anything we've spoken about in the last 20, 30, 40 episodes, please book a call, speak the team. Like we're here to give you an ROI. Any investment you make on us in terms of money or time, we will give you back tenfold. That is what we offer. But the interesting thing with him is that he went in to go for this deal where Basically, this insurance company was going to have their team there and the whole conversation was, 
where Sean was going to teach his team how to do it. And I was like, no, ring him back up and let him know that you have a proprietary way of doing things and you're more than happy to sell him a license, right? Now, they went in there, he won the contract, right, so his company can do it. They're now requiring to hire a bunch more guys to be able to now deal with this influx of work. But the main difference was, Miranda, was him having someone to speak to who challenged his thoughts, who challenged his assumption. Because when we first started, him thinking about going national or having a licensing model was a big deal. And the space of three days, it went from being a big deal to him landing the first client on the line who's willing to invest in helping him grow that out, right? And that just came through the ability of someone to ask the right questions and the ability for someone to, I guess, ask the questions and take on board the knowledge in the first place. And provide that challenge even, that challenge, that backing to, got a great idea here and let's add to it. Yeah, I got this great idea. And I was coming along and poured petrol on his fire. And it's like, <laughs> now, now what can you see? Like yeah. now what can you see there? One last thing I kind of want to mention before we finish up, this is something that I can speak about for days. Like I, I'm obsessed with looking at ways of structuring deals and leverage and that is what's created a portfolio of businesses for me. And most of them I haven't had to invest money into. And most of them I haven't invested much time into because if you structure the deal properly or if you think about structuring the deal well, it's a win-win and there's ultimate leverage there. But in Sean's perspective, he has IP, right, that prior to the conversation was just going to be a way that his business does things differently to others. Now he has additional services he can sell as consultancy. So he's got one business that, that can go and produce this or do this work for insurance companies, but he also now has the opportunity to create a training organization to train others and sell others into a reoccurring revenue model that they have to pay a licensing fee every year to use his methodology. Right. So in your trade business right now, what are you doing that may be unique or different to others? Do you have all your processes and systems set up for your plumbing business that you could sell to other plumbing companies? Right. Like, what have you spent time investing in your company that you've created that would be valuable for other people? And it might not even necessarily need to be all of the time unique. It's just that you do it well, you label it and package it well and partner it with something in a particular, be it a geographic location, in a particular market or niche. Yet you owning that space and stamping on it means that it is, it, it's not closed as in it continually perpetually earns for you. It's not a one-off deal. Yeah. We're going to record an episode very soon around wealth versus profit because, again, this was something that I fundamentally missed in my early days in growing a trade. I thought the goal was just to show profit on the P&L. Right. And the second goal would be if I could then equate that to cash in the bank, I'll be doing okay. But they're like base level foundations that every business needs to have. And that's where the profit first methodology and a few other things that we teach come into it. But there's a significant difference between profit and wealth. So uh, if you're loving what you're hearing on the TBS podcast, please make sure you subscribe on Spotify, on iTunes, on any of the podcast platforms to get your latest episode. But to equally to visit the tradingbusinessschool.com website to sign up to uh, get the email invitations to each new episode we release weekly. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Barry, and thank you listeners for investing the last, you know, 15 minutes or so of your time in listening to this i know that at some stage it's going to provide huge value even if it is not today it will be at some stage so we'll round it off there thanks everyone thanks miranda 